College basketball fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk, what else, some college basketball. Did I say football early? I hope I didn't. I guess I, I was just reading something about college football. Anyway, the College Ball Show is back. You know, we, we went a couple extra days to try to get back in rhythm now. We're going to be doing Thursdays here for a little bit just to let the audience know. So we're not going to go into way last week. We won't do that to you. We'll start with the games that happened this week, like K-State getting a big win at home. You might as well not go to OT with them because you're you're not going to win. In OT, you're not going to win. Several uh, games happened on Tuesday that were very interesting. South Kakalaka, six straight. They're playing defense, all sorts of stuff. Iowa State, Oklahoma, Baylor seems to find, you know, found their groove again. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about. And then, of course, we have to look at last weekend because, you know, we had basically the whole top ten going head-to-head, it felt like. So we'll talk about that, you know, big wins for North Kakalaka, Tennessee, Purdue, among other Kansas Kansas played. I mean, they shot the lights out in that game. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk it all the way through and then preview. Well, you know, we like to do that conference wraparound where we talk about what's going on as far as, you know, in the actual standings of, of the major conferences and then how that relates to what we got coming up this Saturday, this Sunday, and then Monday through Wednesday, because like I said, we'll be back next Thursday. We're going to be on this Thursday for a little bit, um, just to hit you over the the head with that. Um, But if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope-a-dope radio. However, you don't have to go to blog talk and rope-a-dope radio and and download the show there. You can find this here College Ball Show under Rope It Up Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player of Them, Google Podcasts. Make sure you download the podcast at Podbead, Podbay, Podtail, whole host of other places. While you're at it, head on over to thegrillingshoot.com and Sports News 24. One more thing. I got a message here from Direct TV Stream. Get the best in streaming TV Stream live sports, on-demand shows, and must-have channels you need anytime, anywhere across your favorite devices for a limited time. $83.99 a month for your first two months. That's a savings of $50 when you get the choice packages. Speaking of packages, the entertainment, which is the first layer of packages, starts at $79.99 right now. Choose the package that's right for you, DirecTV. Stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall, see what's going on with him. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, brother. Uh, just uh, transitioning from coaching one sport to another, so the uh, life I signed up for in Texas and actually got the, the Golden State Warriors on the background. I know your Wolves play tonight, but I won't say anything about that uh, during the game. So, yeah, uh, let's talk some hoops, uh, and I'm excited for today's show. There you have it. So obviously, you know, if we look at the the beginning of the week, Monday, 75 to 70, Kansas State beats Kansas in OT. 
great layup in the lane um, by a, a Kansas State player, the guard. I'm losing his name right now, but that was a really, really fun game. And like I said, when you look at, you know, when you look, okay, so so he's 11. Uh, Jerome Tang, the coach there, is 11 and 0 in OT. Five and one versus Bill Self um, and Scott Drew. So the moral of the story: don't play at Kansas State, right? Might as well just be sick for that one or something. But in two seasons, eleven and zero and OT. Are you serious? The only thing that I believe trumps that, and mind you, I did see this when it, I remember watching this game when the season started. So I remember being home for Thanksgiving time. Uh and this was Leonard Hamilton, but Leonard Hamilton, and I'm trying to Google this quickly, but I believe uh, Florida State has a stretch of being 19-0 and 0 in overtime. So I think both those facts are tremendous. The fact that Leonard Hamilton and this K-State guy are both above, you have a double-digit win winning streak in overtime, that's insane. Because, I mean, honestly, most time, Chris, I guess you could say that Hey, sometimes a underdog team makes it to overtime. Hey, for whatever reason, whatever the momentum of the game is, you're going to favor the winning team in overtime. But I mean, to, to, to flip a quarter and, you know, and land on heads 10 times, like, you know, that, that those numbers are hard to imagine. Like the probability of that has to be slim of whether it's 11 or 18 or 19, like that doesn't happen often. Uh, but. I think that does go to show you something about just the coach. Like, cause obviously Leonard Hamilton has had different players. This guy's had different players. Like to have those streaks, I think those are both tremendous streaks. I'll try to get the Florida state one. Cause that's the one I know of that has the case. Yeah. Way to bring up a stat that you don't have. That's pretty nice. Well, it is, it is at least. No, nice. you're right. No. I, so, yeah. But, you're yeah. right. It, 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 it just, it defies logic. Cause you got to think of basketball uh, you know, a, a team, it's probably a 50-50 shot for almost every single game a team plays in. So maybe that's something they work on in practice, like, or, you know, or maybe your your players are in better conditioning shape, but it, it does defy the statistical, analytical world that those streaks both exist, my friend. Yeah, and when you look at it, so that night, right, um, Opta staff said after Kansas State win over number four Kansas, there has now been 26 wins by an unranked team over AP top 10 opponents in the last 31 days. That's the most such wins over a, any 31 day span since the poll expanded to 25 teams in the 89-90 season. And you know, if you look at the next night, we had some more. You know, so it's like. <laughs> I mean, you can expand that to 31 and take off the front end of that. Um, so it just kind of goes to show you what we're talking about, not to sound like a broken record, but it's it's so true, you know, how this year, in the last few years, um, or at least from 2020 in these last two years, it, it's just, you know, the old cliche, well, anything can happen, and it ain't over till the fat lady sings it. This shit is wide open. I mean, there are some teams that, like UConn, that just seem like they're on a mission or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, man, it's it's it just goes to show you. Um, so, Tuesday night, North Kakalaka 
went down to Clemson. We'll talk a little bit about that in general. We'll save that for when they talk about Duke, so you can have like a positive and negative vibe going. <laughs> um, uh, Baylor, Texas Tech was a really good game. Baylor did end up, you know, pulling off. Like they, they had a little lead, and Texas Tech kind of narrowed it down, but they pulled it off. Uh, that was a pretty good game, though. And now Texas Tech has lost three in a row. Iowa State, you know, Texas in the last six games straight, six ranked opponents they've had to face. They're three and three now. They came in that, you know, game three and two, but Iowa State got the job done on the road, and we know how hard it is. South Carolina collected another win, six straight for them. In the last six uh, foes, right, last six opponents, straight wins, 65 points or less. They won 68 to 65. That was a big deal. Oklahoma's kind of been all over the place. They did beat a good BYU team. They were at home, so they're protected their home. Utah State did not protect their home. They got beat by Nevada. Um, Air Force and Wyoming got beat as well. San Diego State, New Mexico were the ones that, um, you know, got that job done. But uh, eventful Tuesday, that's for sure. Um, some some uh, some mishaps. Some teams kind of got their bearings back. Yeah, for Carolina, like we were talking about before the show, um, it, it's not the first time that a team has had a huge win against a rival and then been a little flat their next game. Uh, I mean, hell, they had had a stretch where I believe they beat Clemson like for thirty-seven straight games at home. Like that streak ended not so long ago, but they, they'd had a huge run over Clemson. And again, you played phenomenal against Duke, and then you took your foot off the gas. They're showing the replay of that game Saturday last night. I had it on. Uh, Carolina got down 16 points in the first half. Uh, they did close it a lot closer in the second half, but nonetheless, you slipped up. So, as good as the Duke win was, which was a very convincing win, that game normally goes back and forth. But like you, you, you let it slip. Like you, hey, you're playing great. You beat your rival, but hey, you have a letdown. But that that truly is how sports work. Like you have your highs and lows, whether it's college football or college basketball. When you beat a school that means a lot to you, it is regular as an athlete to have not your best game fallen because it's hard to repeat moments like that. Um, I was watching uh, Bama Auburn last night. Now Bama a couple weeks ago wasn't ranked. Now they've been on a roll. That was a, a top tier SEC matchup. Uh, that game was kind of crazy because for the first half, uh, Auburn was up for about 10 points for most of the half. And then Bam went on like a, a quick 10-0 run. And they were up with like a couple minutes left in the half. And then Auburn went up nine at halftime. So it was like a, it was like three 10-0 runs within like five minutes. You really don't see that happen often. And in the end, Auburn ended up pulling away 98-9 to 81. You know, when we last did our podcast, Auburn had a rough week. Since then, they've righted their ship. And now they're back on top of Bama who was not ranked a few weeks ago, is now ranked and sitting up atop the uh, SEC, too. So to kind of tie into um, what my co-host has been saying, is it's, kind of, it's kind of that moving time of the year, Chris. Or, as you said, it's pretty much now in college basketball. Every team plays two games a week. And sometimes that means you have to play two games on the road. Sometimes, sometimes it means you got to play your rival plus another hard game. Or it is what it is. But it does seem to be where those two games can bump you up maybe a couple of spots, Chris, so they can sink you down really quickly. Um, 
as we've been doing our, our conference wraparounds this year, it's almost been a common theme where like every conference now is big, since there are bigger numbers has like a five way tie for fourth place. So if you are a team that has a two and a week, Hey, now we're third or, Oh shit, we lost two in a row. Now we're now also we're tied for 12. So the parody for basketball is a beautiful thing, but if you're a fan and if you're a coach and you're a player, if you have those oh two weeks, Chris, man, that can that can sink you really quickly. All of a sudden, you're looking up at ten teams above you when you were just tied for third, like prior to Monday. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll dig into that a little bit more when we get to the whip around. Um, Providence, I thought, looked you know looked to get some good wins here, um, and they did. Creighton, that was a good win in overtime, another sure. overtime game. Uh, like you mentioned, Auburn. Uh, Auburn, though, remember they they would they lose two in a row, right? I think it was only yeah, two. yep. That was a nice win. Um, you know, beat Alabama when they're in Alabama is really tough right now. They got a streak going, but uh, Auburn definitely, like you said, right at the ship. They really handled the ninety-nine to eighty-one. Wisconsin, man, three losses in a row in the game before that. The three losses in a row. Minnesota, if they just hit some damn free throws, they beat them. I mean, they are, uh, they were looking great and everything, but they're really starting to fall off a little bit. So we'll see, uh, you know, talking about riding the ship, they, they definitely got to get some, some good wins here because it's, it's, it's getting a little out of hand. And, um, so that, you know, I thought that was a pretty big thing. Just to go on that Clemson, um, it had been first, they never trailed in the game, but it's the second win in 62 road games at North Carolina. Yeah. We've had their number there, brother. We really have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously they forgot the number or maybe Clemson changed their number or something. They're trying to call like, Hey, is anybody there? No, nobody's there. Um, that was pretty crazy. Uh, I will say this, Nova, right? Nova is like right on the mark of a bubble team. Um, and we know the pedigree that got, they got there, but they don't necessarily, they're not a great team, obviously, um, just yet. But they're starting to get their stuff together. And we can't forget, like, I think it's three and five or four and five and quad one wins, but they have wins at Creighton. They have a win, not trying to bring this up, but they have a win over North Carolina, in Texas Tech. So it is a team that you want to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I mean, we'll talk a little bit of, you know, more about stuff, you know, that happened here recently, in, you know, and once we get to the whip around and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's funny to see these teams like Baylor come right back, no problem. Um, from Friday, though, Butler, um, the, the Friday before, I think Butler and Creighton, that was a great game, 99 to 98. Uh, they had two guys over 20 points. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of crazy as we, we'll get to Saturday now and Sunday, a little bit of Sunday, but Saturday especially, like I mentioned, uh, you know, Oklahoma, now, at that point, it lost three out of four games, and UCF and Cincy have been kind of sneaky this year. They pulled the upset. 
Um, both Wisconsin and North Carolina lost before the marquee matchup. That was something to kind of look at. But like I mentioned, since he upset Texas Tech, and, um, you know, they're, I don't know, man. Texas Tech had, had won 11 out of 12. Um, and it was on the road for Cincy, too, which is even more, you know, more impressive when it comes to that. Baylor and Iowa State, that was a competitive game that none got a nice uh, go-ahead layup with, like, a, a couple seconds left. But that Iowa State-Baylor game, that was a really fun game. But Purdue, North Carolina, like I said, Tennessee, and um, Kansas really did their thing uh, about, what, four or five days ago, something like that, on uh, on Saturday. In a little Yeah. Time. I was uh I I'll start I'll start with the I guess I'll start with KU and Houston. Uh that that again Houston's on my final four picks. So obviously the way they played against Kansas was not a final four presentation. Um they got down early. They were pretty much down double digits like 10 minutes in and they never really just found the rhythm. Uh but shit as if you've watched Houston play they they don't win when the games are in the 80s or even hell Kansas scored 78 they're a very defensive based team they do not have a lot of great offensive players and KU's obviously not quite built that way and uh KU i mean they're even though they're like a lot they're not, they're even though they don't have like in a lead of the Big 12 which they normally do at this point they're obviously still a very good team this year they're 18 or 4 like that's a pretty Impressive resume. So, um, from the tip of the game, KU came out hot. Houston's offense was sluggish, and KU never really took the foot off the gas, and Houston never really made a run back. So, um, hats they off. They shot to almost seventy percent from the field too. I and and Houston's and a really good defensive team. Two pointers. Like it, and sometimes a team gets Points super hot for all game. You, you you can't and you know I, Houston is they're good at defense. So that really, I mean, Kansas must, obviously they were prepared that day and they were feeling it, but like, that's, that's even more of a, a compliment because you were playing a scrub team. So KU was feeling it that day. Hats off to them. Uh, Kentucky, man, they've been in a funk. I remember when we, when, when we first started our podcast, we're like, damn, Chris, like normally Kentucky starts off slow. Cal tells about it, how the media about how, how all my guys, like we, we got to learn to gel this year. They started off hot, and now they've been struggling. Like, I, I know that team still has a pretty nice ranking next to them, but when I've watched them play the last three or four games, defensively, they're just not that good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I know they've been losses, but when you're losing, like, they've just had a rough couple of weeks, but I just don't think defensively they're that good. And offensively, I just, I guess I did not see them play at the start of the year where they came out smoking on fire. But lately, it's just, I think they're in a bit of an offensive rut. Uh, yes, they haven't been playing, you know, some harder teams, but you lost South Carolina, you grid one out against Arkansas, you lost to Florida, lost Tennessee. Like, hmm. So I guess Calipari's got to now say, hey, my guy's got to find the rhythm again. So, again, props to Tennessee. Um, they're having another tremendous year, as they usually always do in the regular season. And the game I watched Saturday, um, I was cheering, I was clapping, uh, went uh, – with a new new girlfriend, this was her first time for me to watch. Uh, oh, you love this, Chris. So we went out to a restaurant to watch Caroline Duke. It was me, my girlfriend, my dad. I remember the picture. And, and we said, so at the, the at sports, it's kind of like an adult, like, like it's like an adult bar. It's like at a huge sports bar, a huge restaurant, great setup. And so I'm right, I'm looking at a big screen. It's all those huge ones at a restaurant bar. 
And she's like, all right, well, I want to go to the restaurant across the street to have calamari. And I was like, okay, I'm not leaving the big screen because there are small TVs over there. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I'm serious. So my dad, being the man he is, went out with my girlfriend to the restaurant <laughs> near the, near, across the street. I stayed at my, at my table to watch my game. <laughs> Thankfully, there was no words being said. My dad was just having fun and they were laughing about it. So it turned out to be a good win for Carolina. Again, obviously, they, the game before and the game after were losses, but um, that was a, a, a rivalry win. Uh, Carolina looked really solid. I thought Ingram for Carolina had a hell of a game. Uh, Baycott uh, really dominated the glass, and he is one of the better bigs in the country. He was on that night, and the crowd just kind of carried him. Uh, but normally, for all the years I've watched these teams play, there's normally like a big run in the game where the, the lead will change. Carolina pretty much led wire to wire. Like That game never really was in doubt, which you really I almost never say. I've watched that rivalry for over almost 30 years now, and it's rare to have a game where you just kind of had your foot on the gas the whole time. But credit to them. That's the potential they Speaking can play. Thirty with. years, I think huh? it's the first time in thirty years, if I remember the stat right, that they had two twenty and ten rebound guys on the team on the same team for North Carolina. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, because I think the last time they did have uh, Vince Carter was involved, which is yeah, that or something like yeah. I saw that. So I don't know. That that was a hell of a win. Um, I wish they would have followed up with another win against Clemson, but again, that is college sports. But hey, if that's the side Carolina can show. That team can have a potentially deep run. Uh, but again, you can't, you got, you got to keep building off your skills because you, you know, you lost the Georgia Tech before that game and you lost Clemson after. So who is the true Carolina? I don't know. They're still chilling up top. So hey, anytime they beat Duke is a good day for your co-host, my friend. <laughs> yeah. The bookend thing is kind of costly when it comes to, uh, you know, the division stuff that we're, or the conference For stuff sure. that we'll get to in just a second because it's like, it feels like you should have a, a, you know, a much bigger lead and all of a sudden you're looking like, what the hell? Um, that's not cool. But yeah, either way, you got, you know, a, a major piece there to, to, you know, to do it. And I think I saw, um, since he's now three and four against ranked opponents this year, um, and a couple other numbers that kind of stood out that Texas, at, uh, I think it was at TCU, they handled business in that Abam, Abmas, or Abmas? Oh, he, uh, he had, Amos. Amos. Yeah. He had 21 points, but scored 15 of the last 17 for Texas. Just took it home for him. Um, I was talking about Alabama's streak at home when they beat Mississippi State. 14 straight SEC home game wins. It's tied for the longest in 30 years. Saw Damn. that on the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, FAU, you know, they, they, I mean, that day they romped Tulsa 102. Another final four pick. Yep. Seven straight win at that time. So uh, they're still doing it. I saw the San Diego State-Utah game, right? Utah now, since they've uh, joined the Mountain West in 2013, 2014, 0-10 at San Diego State. So I guess they just, they just don't want to do it. And speaking of Tennessee, man, four straight wins versus you, uh, Kentucky when they're when it's a when it's a top ten matchup, six and jam overall. Yeah, so it's like, hey, that's fine with me. And then I talked about points paint in that Kansas Houston game, forty two points in the paint. It's the most since January twenty. 17 uh, 
that they've allowed Houston. So that was uh, that's a big deal. That was a big deal. I do want to mention, you know how we were talking about, uh, you know, obviously uh, Caitlin. Um, wait, what the hell? Well, actually, I want to talk about Juju because she went off a freshman from USC last oh, year. Oh, yes. Dude, she went for 51 points. It's the most by any D1 player this season, most by any player in uh, USC forever, and then the most by a freshman since 54. Uh, someone had it uh, at a JMU, but they won 67 to 58. But Juju had 51 points. Stafford had 58. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's had another December 5th. She had a 38 and five game. Uh, November, she had a 30 and 5 steals game. Um, November 22nd, 30, 12 and 5. Another game, 35, 9 and 6 steals. 32, I mean, she is, she's putting up numbers, dude. She is putting up numbers, man. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, the, the queen from Iowa, the Hawkeyes, you know, she's getting, she's nearing that scoring record. Uh, so, you know, she, she's obviously going to get it. Knock on wood, nothing happens to her, which I don't, you know, suspect. But Caitlin Clark is about to about to hit that. I, I mentioned, Someone mentioned Blake Levine. They said, let's not forget, since we're on this topic about, you know, scores and all that, Mississippi Valley's own Patricia Hawkins still hold the record for best points per game, averaging in a season at 33.6. I was like, wow, dude, okay, man. Um, you know, when you don't, the last chunk of years, you know, women's basketball in college has gotten bigger, right? And it's pretty cool. And when they have a big-time matchup, it gets a great uh, rating now. Um, but it's kind of interesting to go back in time now and see all these stats that we kind of overlook because, you know, it just wasn't getting the attention. So I thought that was a pretty cool stat, too. I was like, my God, like that, that 33 and man, that, that's, that's pretty good. Any other items uh, to wrap up before we start to, uh, you know, well, Purdue did beat Wisconsin. They got the job done. Like we mentioned, uh, you know, there, I think we didn't talk about that one, uh, but, but that was, uh, that was a good win. And I think Purdue, you know, they're, well, I, I know they're on a nice little run. Uh, Arizona beat Stafford. Oh, and then the OT game that was really good, Illinois and Nebraska. That's the thing I wanted to talk about, though. You know, we know Illinois is a pretty damn good team, especially now that they're back, you know, with the, the that player. But Nebraska, when they beat Wisconsin, a um, couple things here. It said, it said only time in program history, this dates back to 57-58, seeking first season with multiple wins versus top six opponents uh, when they beat Wisconsin prior to that, you know, Purdue game. And also opt to stats, AP top 10 teams um, went up 16 points, right? Uh, that's Wisconsin was up 19 at one point, but at least by 16, right? At halftime, AP top 10 teams that were at least up by 16 had won a thousand fourteen hundred and fifty-eight games in a row, and the Huskers knocked them off in OT. The last such loss 
was by number six Kentucky at Mississippi State January 5th, 2002, dude. So it's like, well, there you go. Wow. Another stat that I was pretty uh, pretty shocked at hearing, my friend. Uh, and just to confirm, I did do the, the background check. Uh, Leonard Hamilton has won 14 straight overtime games. So. Wow. Man. I wonder what his record was before that, too. Probably damn good, right? Probably, like, did he have, like, seven or eight in a row, you know, after the, the one loss or something? That's probably what it was. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. Hey, and just for my one little last side note, because we don't get to this conference on the wraparound, but if you've not watched Grand Canyon play, watch them. If they're on like ESPN Plus or CBS Sports, that team is 21-2. and two. They're 11-1 in the whack. And that's what it seems that hopefully will make March Madness. I don't, I don't know if they'll get a large bit, but that's a good-ass basketball team. Uh, the, if you ever watch their games, they always have like a whiteout crowd. They have a very... Mm-hmm. Like boisterous, just it, it's it's a fun environment to watch. So again, if you, if you're looking for like a team to underdog to cheer for, a good team to watch, again, there I'm not saying that the whack is like the Big Twelve or the Big Ten this year, but they're a good team that should make the tournament. Or the and Mountain again, West. Yeah, but Grand Canyon, hey, that's that's a fun squad to watch. They're a good team, and if you know a month from now when we're doing our brackets and all that stuff. If they if they knock someone off, don't I, don't be surprised. So I just wanted to throw that in there. We're, we're the, I'm going to adopt them. We adopted the Raging Cajuns, uh, probably almost seven eight years ago for college football. I'm officially adopting the uh, Grand Canyon Lopes, Chris, for our our squad to support this year in college basketball. I remember Detroit was a big one a, a couple years back too. Yeah, all right, I like it. I like it. The Grand Canyon. What what is their uh? They're they're the 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 Lopes. I don't know if that's short for Antelopes, but L O P E S. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lopes, yeah, okay. Grand Canyon Lopes. So that Lopes. that is our adopted squad this year. The Lopes. Lopes City. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. Let's start with the ACC. Right. Okay. Talked about it. North Carolina doing their thing. They're five and two against AP poll teams. They're on top, but you know, like I mentioned, those bookend losses. Their first two losses in conference, two out of three now, uh, game, you know, two losses in three games. They got the big win at Duke, but, you know, they, you know, with Duke, but they still got to play Duke again. And Duke's only, a, you know, a game and a half away. And then Virginia is coming. They don't have a good road record, three and four, whereas North Carolina five and one, but they've won seven in a row, my friend. Um, Got to watch out for that, and they still they only play them one more time, but it's at Virginia. It's not it's not for a little bit, but um, like I said, it, you got to be feeling great that you beat your rival. But oh my goodness, and then and you know, come Saturday they got to go at Miami, which you know in the beginning of the season it kind of felt like Miami was you know kind of back to where they were. That's not the case. They're not horrible though, and it's still at Miami, so. You know, it's more competitive, funny enough, than it was a week ago. Yeah, and, you know, I, I keep saying every show, I get, uh, eventually Virginia's going to be ranked. Um, you've now had a seven-game win streak. Again, I think it's the damn Big 12 hawking all the rankings. But, hey, Virginia, 9-3 and three in conference, seven wins in, the, seven wins in a row. That ranking is coming. Obviously, Duke is tied with Virginia for second. Uh 
and then Florida State seven and four, Wake Forest seven and four, NC State seven and five. I I think that probably right now is where that bubble talk probably drops off. Um, normally the ACC is a bit deeper. Uh, for this year, for whatever reason, there's a lot of teams around 500. Syracuse 500, Miami, Pitt, Vatek is five and six, Clemson's five and six. Clemson was rated at a point this year, so this is not the strongest year for this conference, but. You still have a month left until your uh, tournament. Your tournament will be on paper, or when you're filling in your brackets. So, um, normally, Chris, you would assume that like six to seven teams make the tournament from the ACC. I don't know if right now that's the projected number, but again, like you said, there's time. Again, I would say Carolina, Virginia, uh, Duke, and Florida State's probably in. After that, you got to start doing a little more work. So, this is just—it's kind of like you said—a bit of a down year. But if you are a school like Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, NC State, you're, you're doing good. You're, you're, you're on pace for a 21 season, which you'll need to make the tournament. But you just got to now is that point where you need to, you need to put uh, and string together a couple of 2-0 and weeks in a row. Uh, for Duke, um, it just – and this is honestly I'm, I'm biased, but it, to me it just doesn't seem like they have the – Elite level talent they normally have. Like I know that Philip Kowski is obviously. I thought you were going to say player. the heart or something like that. No, I just don't think they don't have the. And I haven't seen as much, but I don't think they have the lottery talent they've had in years prior. But they're also. I mean, they're ranked ninth in the country. They're they're eight and three in conference. They just don't have that guy who's going to be like a number one pick this year yet. But obviously, they're still a good squad. And Virginia, a first round pick, not a number. Sorry, one. yeah, a first round pick, yeah. And so they, Virginia, they not everybody has the first, you know, number one wins. And for the Cavaliers, they're, they're always freaking good. Like I said, it was only a matter of time. And hey, that that team again with with where they got they've their coach been there forever. Um, they're going to play solid defense. They're going to try to keep the game in the low sixties. They're going to win, and they're on that rhythm now. So hey, for Carolina, you, you had you've lost two out of three. Just refocus and get back on track and keep feeding Baycock because that dude's hard to guard. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, the NET rankings is a, is a big ranking, right? The net rating. Um, Virginia went up 10 spots uh, recently. Um, but just to kind of go off what you said about the ACC compared to the Big 12, um, not comparing them head-to-head. Now, I remember two years ago we were kind of downplaying it, and they got two teams into the Final Four. Um, you know, like not just us, but a lot of people were downplaying the ACC because it did look like on paper it was lighter. You know what I mean? And it has been recently a little bit on paper. But it's kind of interesting. So, you know, someone – I've seen this a lot. So when we talk about the non-conference, right, and you add the Ken Palm and all that. So as of right now, Joe Lenardi has 10 Big 12 teams in – in his bracketology, and only four for the ACC. But when you look at the non-conference, right, Big 12 went 16-25 and 25 with the uh, meaning of 390 average in non-conference versus Ken Palm top uh, 75, and 63% of the non-conference games were versus sub-150 teams, right? ACC had a little bit better schedule, 19 or record, 19-27 against you know, the, the top 75 teams, and 50% um, were, were against sub-150. Uh, so, oh. now, that 
I think you can make a point. So I think that's an important thing to put out there because some of these teams, their non-conference in the Big 12 was super light, okay? Um, now, some of them did prove themselves against the top 25 team non-conference. So in the end, you're like, great, who gives a shit they beat them? Um, and then matchup, you know? Some of these matchups, when it is top teams, and especially on the road or even neutral site, you know, if you have a tough – that's why you see, like, Kentucky and certain teams still, like, you're like, why do they have a ranking? But then you look at their non-conference schedule, you're like, holy shit, you know. For that sure. Was a, you know, even Michigan State in the uh, the net rating is, like, they're, they're higher than you think they should be because they played everybody almost. So it is something to keep an eye on, though. And I have seen, like, Baylor and a couple other teams that actually didn't have that impressive of a non-conference, something to keep an eye on, you know, and we might as well transition nicely right into the Big 12, my friend. I'll let you take over. With that being said, um, I do remember catching the end of a Texas Tech game where they were atop the Big 12, and they said it was the best start they've had in over a decade. I believe they were 5-0 and or 5-1. and one. They're 5-1. And, and, since, and since then, uh, it has been three losses in a row. Um, you could say, hey, they're on a downfall. Maybe they didn't deserve that to be up top at first. But, I mean, I, you really – you almost just got to respect all the teams in this conference because you're, you're there's a 50-50 shot. You're playing a ranked team uh, on almost a given day. Uh, these teams really defend their home court that, that very well. Um, this is a beast of a conference. I know I always joke about, like, they hog above the rankings, but a lot of them are earned and deserved. Houston is fifth in the country. At they're atop the conference. Baylor six and three atop, tied for second with Iowa State and KU. KU six and four, but they're fourth in the country. Like you have four conference losses, but the coaches poll still thinks you deserve to be a top five team. Like, damn, that just shows you how deep this conference is. So even though Texas Tech is five and four, they still got a, a ranking next to them. So this conference really is a lot of fun, as my co-host just said. There's 10 teams potentially making it to March Madness, which would be insane. Uh, Texas, I mean, they're they're having a rough year. They're four and six, but I mean, if you look at who they've played, like they've yeah, played last a bunch. six games against all ranked teams. Yeah, three and like, three, so it's really like, not as bad as that seems. Yeah, like you're you're four and six in conference, but show me a more difficult six game stretch than what they've been through. Right. UCF, like you said, sneaky BYU. They're, they're, I believe, ninth right now in the Big 12, but they're ranked 21st. So this conference truly is a gauntlet. Um, Houston's on one of my final four picks. I think Baylor, they've, they've been a consistent good team now for about four or five years in a row. Iowa State, they're finding their rhythm. I think they're better than last year. Um, last year they had waves of up and down. This year they appear to be more consistent. KU on a given night can be the best team in the country. TCU. Solid, solid program, solid year. Texas Tech, you're you're losing games, but again, you're losing teams who are ranked in the country. So, Oklahoma, they were ranked this year, Chris, and they've been having a nice year. They've they're twelve and two on their home court and seventeen right. six overall. They probably will be in the tournament if it starts today. In K State, you're not ranked. You're five and five in conference, but hell, you just beat KU at home, which obviously is a a very good one for your resume. Um, you did have a four game losing streak streak. But you lost at Iowa State, at Houston, versus OU, versus Oklahoma State. 
three out of those four teams were ranked. So, and didn't I, West I, Virginia beat Kansas at home or something like that? Uh, West Virginia has a big win. I don't know. I don't. I'm gonna check real quick, but they had a big win recently where you're like, oh, oh or that could happen. Uh, yeah, they beat Kansas. They beat Kansas. They, they did. Yeah, and they also beat Cincy at home too, which is a good a good win. So and they beat Texas. So yeah, I think for this when you're looking at the Big Twelve, you with every team being so highly ranked that you kind of have to like obviously. Well, you wonder why record. they didn't schedule in the non-conference. <laughs> it's yeah, like, hey, yeah. Do you get mad at the SEC when they didn't? Because this shit's nasty here. Like you, you got to take it with a grain of salt and realize these teams are. Pro- I mean, the, the rankings are probably deserved, even though win-loss record might not be as good as other conferences. Because damn. The the top ten teams in this conference right now would be going to March if it started this week, and they probably all deserve it. So it is very hard. I'll tell you this, Chris. I'll, I'll just say this statement to wrap up my comments on the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve conference tournament this year is going to be yeah. insane. I cannot wait to watch. That's that. the thing, though. Wonder if somebody that's not even like, or they're on the bubble, or, or not really. What if they win the whole damn thing and knock? A more you know a team out of that. That, that true. I wouldn't be shocked at that. But then again, to for that gauntlet. Um, and yeah, you can look at like KU has a good record against AP top teams. You know Iowa State three and four. Um, you know when you play so many of them, that does play into it. But when you look at the you know nobody has Baylor has a three game winning streak, but nobody really has a long winning streak no, whatsoever. It's too hard. And, yeah, exactly. And then uh, we do have number four, Kansas, Saturday uh, with Baylor, number 13, Baylor, coming into town. K-State on the road at a BYU, not an easy place to play. TCU at Iowa State, who's 14 right now. Some other games, Kansas at Texas Tech. That'll be Monday. That's obviously a big game. Um, so yeah, I mean, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of deciders, but you know what I mean? You want to know what's just as fucking impressive is the fact that every team was on a losing streak. The losing streak is only one game except for one team is Texas Tech's on a three game losing streak. Everyone else has only lost one and game. And they just got on that too. Yeah. Yeah. And they had won so, 10 out of 11 or whatever. I, I, I think as it, it just seems weird to me, the fact that every team is on only a one game losing streak that shows you how deep the conference is because you would assume if the top 10 teams are going to be dancing, the bottom tiers would be on like four or five game losing streaks. No, they're not. They're only losing right. one. Mm-hmm. So man, what, what a, what a loaded conference. And man, that, I, I, I just, I, at first I looked at the numbers, Chris, I'm like, Oh, that can't be right. No, everyone's only lost one. So they've really done a great job of protecting their home court this year. Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Those numbers defy normal conference basketball logic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like I said, I was talking about Nova. You know, when you look at their, their, you know, they're they're five and seven. They're they're near the bottom. They're twelve and eleven. But they have some quality wins in there. We're gonna we're going to the Big East too. I forgot to mention that Providence got a nice win. They bumped up to six and six. But man, UConn eleven in a row. And then Marquette don't count them out either. They've won six in a row, my friend. Yeah, I, you know, UConn, again, I, they've pro- they're probably the best team in the country this year. Um, 
again, I, I say this almost every week. Um, the I remember watching the ESPN show about three weeks ago, and the people said that the guys who they lost out their tournament team, they've replaced them, and they clearly have not missed the beat because they're twenty-one and two. They're top of a very strong conference. Um, Marquette is it's doing their part again. When early in the start of the year, they were a team that struggles to shoot threes, but you're eight and three, so clearly you're still scoring enough. Okay, and you have a, a, a good point guard in Kolick who distributes the ball well. He's not exactly a go-to scorer like you'd see a lot of college basketball point guards, but he's good. And Seaton Hall, quietly unranked, but 8-4. and four. Uh, They just had a nice win this last week. And Creighton, 7-5. and five. Like I think those are probably your top-tier teams in the Big East. Um, Xavier, St. John's, Providence. Uh, Xavier, 7-5. and five. St. John's and Providence are both 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Butler, 6-6. Six and six. Villanova's 5-7. and seven. All those teams probably have a chance, but you can't afford too many more losses. Um, normally, I would say a team like Xavier's pretty much been a shoo-in for the March Madness of the last handful of years. I think that they had such a flip over of their roster. I don't know if that's the case this year. And you're 13-10 on the year. That's uh, yeah, that's not the best win record. And for St. John's, you know, Patino is molding his team. Uh, they used to be a running gun, trying to score 80 or 90. That's not quite how Patino has them playing. Hopefully they can kind of gather back together. And for Providence, I always love watching them because I love Ed Cooley. Uh, Ed Cooley is at Georgetown now going through a huge rebuilding phase, but I still enjoy Providence. And, hey, they're, they've had a couple of tough losses uh, this year, but, again, they're hopefully probably still on the bubble. So we'll see. And as my co-host just said, for Nova, you are 5-7, and seven, but, you you know, it, I think, Chris, if they can get that, win-loss record to be on the other side of 500, maybe you'd have enough impressive wins for the committee to look at you or be a, a bubble team as well, my friend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that definitely could happen. And uh, when you look at some of the matchups, you know, there's not like a plethora of rank versus rank, obviously, because they don't have a ton of them ranked. But, you know, like Creighton going to Xavier, not easy. Providence, Butler, probably just going to be a good game. St. John's, you just mentioned – at Marquette. That's all happening. Ooh. Yep. That's all happening on Saturday, Sunday, Seton Hall, Nova. Um, you know, Nova has a good chance to, to, you know, protect the home court. Marquette may have a sneaky one on Tuesday at Butler, St. John's at Providence. So, you know, some games that, like I said, on paper aren't going to just completely jump out at you. But um, you can't you can't sleep on them. You know, you can't sleep on them. And next thing you know, we'll talk about a couple different upsets that happen. And some of these games aren't going to be upsets. They're, they're you know, they're, someone's going to be favored or whatever. All right, on to the Big Ten. Uh, they have three ranked teams. Purdue, seven in a row. Six and zero against AP top um, 25 teams. And, uh, you know, you talk about a resume. They got a resume. They're doing it. They got two guards that can play. They got kind of some wingmen, and obviously they got a big dude in the middle um, who, if he doesn't get in fall problems, he's, you know, he's just a handful in general. Um, Wisconsin was 8-1. and one. Last time we did a podcast, wow, that changed. They're 8-4 and four now. Now, it doesn't mean they're completely done, but uh, Illinois – in my squad, Minnesota, you know, 
having a nice little run, uh, you know, winners of three in a row now. I watched the uh, Purdue-Wisconsin game. Uh, I thought that Wisconsin held their own on their home court. Uh, they cut and they cut it down to like four to five, and then they Purdue get up eight. Cut it down four to five, Purdue get get up eight. But uh, Wisconsin couldn't shoot three ball to save their lives that night. And I saw in their last game, as you said against Michigan, they were five and nineteen on threes. So I know that um, my my best friend, who's a Badger fan, was surprised how good the offense was at the start of the year. I believe their offenses are regressing a little bit. Uh, when you watch, when I watched the Badger game against Purdue, they, their bigs seemed to handle the ball well and could go up against Edie, but the outside perimeter shooting was struggling. And that's what Purdue had. Purdue had clutch shooters. Uh, that lawyer on Purdue is a very solid fit as a guard. They, they, have, they actually have about three guards who just, they take care of the ball. They hit clutch shots. And obviously Edie is a player that most teams don't have the size to combat him. And if he gets that little hook in the lane, that thing's almost automatic like shot. So Purdue, again, hey, you're on a war path. You were embarrassed after last year's first round exit. You're probably going to be going deep in this year's tournament. Uh, Illinois, uh, I haven't seen that as much this year, Chris, but you're 8-3 and three in the Big Ten. You're ranked 10th in the country. Like, it seems like almost every other year, uh, Illinois is a legit top 10, top 12 team, and they're down the next year. And – for a fun story, hey, at seven and five is Northwestern, at six and five is your Golden Gophers. They're right now, they're fifth in the Big Ten right now. Okay, and there's a lot more than five teams under them. So hats off to them. Uh, your boys are on a, a good streak. Uh, they've won three games in a row, and they're above the Hoosiers, Spartans, Cornhuskers, Iowa, Penn State. Like a lot of those schools who I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, Chris, they need to get it going. Uh, I think it's the point now, Chris, where I think like Maryland and Rutgers and Michigan, I think the year's done. Like the panic button, like again, all those schools have pretty much been shoe-ins for March Madness. I know I say every week, hey, you still got time. I don't know. If you're three and nine or four and seven in, in your conference. Yeah, there's like be, ten, nine or ten games left now, you know? Yeah, so it, it, just, it just surprises me to see Ohio State, Michigan, Rutgers, like you're pretty much all, your season's over. Uh, Penn State, yeah, you're five and six. Iowa, five and six. Like, damn, it, it just is truly like all those like pretty much cashed in teams. So I don't know. What do you know, Chris? Sparty working their way up like that. You know, Izzo's maybe it, it, it's it took him a minute, as you said. They challenged themselves on the non conference, but Sparty's climbing the way up. But yeah, for a lot of those schools, that might that's probably my biggest surprise for our, our wraparound of the show so so far this year is to see a lot of schools who are consistently a shoe in for March Madness be out, and we're not even into the middle of February yet. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. That's a good point. Um, you know, we don't have, like, Ohio State, who's been playing a little bit better. They're at Wisconsin. Wisconsin needs to protect that home court, obviously. Uh, but, you know, like, on Sunday – um, Minnesota at Purdue, that's going to be a rough one. That's why I'm hoping, like we mentioned before we hit record, that, um, you know, that they get the job done uh, against Iowa at Iowa. Just some crafty, you know, games that are, you know, some games that aren't going to be, hey, you know what, Arizona and Utah are playing right now, but we can't watch it. Do you, would you get, would you beg to differ why we can't watch it? 
I already said I love watching Zelda. Man, that's my other. Uh, we've named all my Final Four predictions. Yeah, because they're on the Pac-12 network, which will hey, be gone next what do you year. Know? Ah, that's weird. Um, Illinois, though, number 10 at Michigan State. Um, you know, Purdue, Indiana at Purdue, that could be a little funky. You know what? It's not – I screwed that up. Sunday is Iowa. That That's my mistake. Sunday is the Iowa game. And then they play them later. But, um, you know, Ohio State's going to Wisconsin. Michigan going to Illinois, they should handle those games. So I look for Wisconsin to kind of kind of settle things down a little bit, even though I'd love to see, you know, the heads roll all the way down the, the long staircase. I'd love to see each step hit. But, you know, um, <laughs> I got a little graphic, I understand. But, you know, it's a border rivalry, so what am I going to do? True. Um, SEC, my friend, I mean, dude. We, we said Auburn, you know, they were undefeated there for a little bit, lost two in a row. Now they won three in a row. I talked about it earlier, South Carolina, six in a row. And speaking of the Gophers, they got a guard that's just going off for that team that played for Minnesota last year. But since we were really a bad team last year playing young guys, two of two guys that were key members last year that we felt like, okay, they're going to come in this year, they left. So – um, I mean, dude, South Carolina. But look at that line. So, uh, well, they got uh, Cooper is his name, and Johnson, and then that uh, BJ dude, BJ Mock or something like that. But look at that lineup at at the top, dude. It's uh, it's impressive. Bama eight and two, Gamecocks eight and two, Auburn eight and two, Tennessee seven and two. Kentucky six and four. Like I said, Kentucky's been in. They've lost three out of five. They're in a bit of a funk. Uh, but some of those losses have been to the teams I've just said. Uh, I love a and I love Wade Taylor, but I don't think that team is like uh, good enough to contend. I think that is le- like a legit cutoff. Like you have the top five teams and you have a line that's drawn in the sand. And then you have the rest. Now, I did watch Florida beat Kentucky in Kentucky. I thought that that was a, a pretty convincing win. But again, if you did that against Kentucky, why are you only five and four? Like, where was your effort in the other ones? So, um, I do think it is a top heavy conference. Uh, I do think that South Carolina is probably the one team in there people probably didn't expect. Bama, that was expected. Uh, Auburn, for sure. Kentucky and Tennessee, those are March Madness blue blood returnees. But South Carolina, uh, you're eight and two. You're you're twenty three on the on the year. Um, your non conference was not the not the most sexy thing in the whole world. You did beat Grand Canyon, which hey, they beat our adopted team, so be it. You lost to Clemson by five. Uh, but hey, they've been taking care of business. Uh, they have Vanderbilt. Uh, in two days from now, that should be an easy win. They play LSU in nine days from now. But in between them, they got Auburn. They're going to Auburn. So hey, Auburn last night whooped up on Bama on their home court. Uh, if you're South Carolina, dude, you're on a heater. You're probably going to beat Van. You're going to be on a seven-game winning streak. If you can walk into Auburn, like, okay. Like, I, hey, if they're 2-0 when we do our next podcast, Chris, hey, hats off to them. So, uh, again, most of those schools are blue bloods. We expect it. Bama, they've been, since Nate Oates has been coached, they've been a good-ass squad. Yeah. But South Carolina, this one's a new one. But, hey, kind of like the Big Ten has flipped their roles a bit this year. It's fun to see a team like South Carolina who – they did have that Final Four run 
not too long ago with Frank Martin as coach, but that yep. was kind of that one run. And since then, and I know they had a couple of NBA guys or G League guys on that team. Since then, they've kind of been back to ho-hum. So it's nice to see a different school pop up there. Uh, and if you, hey, if you're a South Carolina football fan, Chris, you might as well become a basketball fan this year. Like that school, you know, they're, they're, they kind of always get whooped up in football. So, hey, this is the year to support the basketball squad. Yeah, you're losing your quarterback and you lost your quarterback anyway. So, uh-huh. uh, but dude, Zags at Kentucky, right? Heck Auburn, yeah. Yep. Auburn at Florida. That's Saturday. Big matchups there. And then Wednesday, Auburn home versus South Carolina. But dude, Auburn, look at this. Look at these next five games at Florida, home against South Carolina, Kentucky, Auburn. That's at home, but still, Georgia's kind of sneaky in the look ahead, right? So a trap True. game. You got Kentucky um, coming in to Auburn, but then Auburn at Georgia, and then Auburn, Tennessee. So they got to play Florida, Auburn, or sorry, North Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, and Tennessee. Their next five games, dude. Damn. So you know we were talking about Auburn early. They went on a little losing streak. Well. You know, they better have settled the ship because if not, it's going to get bumpy. I think there's a storm in the forecast, my friend. And as we migrate to the West Coast, um, this this one surprised me a little bit because two weeks ago we were talking about a UCLA team who was – they're about to hit the panic button. They were uh, in second to last place, and now they're 7-5. and five. So I think the Bruins, who if you watch a team play, they have talent. They do. 7-5 and five in the in the Pac-12. They're in fourth place right now. A half, got, a half game behind Washington State, who's 7-4. and four. Much like I just said, South Carolina was kind of an unexpected story. Washington State, uh, it's been a minute since they've been to the March Madness tournament. I don't recall last time they were in it. Uh, maybe since Clay Thompson. I don't even know if Clay Thompson went there when he was there. Uh they're uh, tied for second with the Oregon Ducks and Arizona Wildcats, who I think are one of the top three teams for me to watch personally, are in first place, but they're right now on the Pac-12 channel. So unless you have like FUBU TV, good luck with that. But Arizona up top, Oregon, Washington State Cougars, uh, UCLA and Utah, kind of the top five there. Um, that is a bit of a surprise with Washington State, Oregon, Chris. Those are teams who in football, Washington State and Utah normally handle the uh, college bowl season pretty well. Basketball, not really. Utah is really known as much more of a, a football school. And Washington State, too, they're a football school. So it is kind of a, a nice little role reversal for the Pac-12 to see those teams up top. Uh, the only team ranked in the conference is Arizona, my friend, which they have definitely deserved. Uh, but I would imagine right now, if they were looking to go dancing, uh, those top five teams probably have a chance. UCLA, you're 12 and 11 on the year though, Chris. You can't afford too many more losses. Uh, maybe your name and pedigree can get you up top there. But if the Bruins can keep that win streak growing, they might yeah. get back into the the tournament potential. Maybe. Yeah, they're not going to get a lot of chances to beat an AP to improve on their AP record. True, uh, that's for sure. But <laughs> hey, like you said, you got to make it count when that time comes. Um, no doubt about it. Um, and then. I do want to mention the West Coast Conference, too, because St. Mary's is 10-0, winners of 11 in, in a row. Damn. And, and okay. Gonzaga's 8-2, and 
San Francisco, Santa Clara, 72-6-3. Respectable, especially if you look at their wins. But Gonzaga, right? I mean, this is kind of uncharted territory, you know? True. Since like 99 or some shit like that. So it's been a while. Uh, I did want to mention it because that is a good conference too. Uh, but when you look at their quad one record, just dating back to 1920 season, 2021, the last three years, right? Or really four now. Um, so in 1920, they were six and two against quad ones. 2021, 12 and one. 2021, 22, 11 and four last year, eight and five. They're 0 and four. And like I said, it's not like they're going to get a bunch of shots at quad ones per se. Um, but, you know, some of the teams, it, it is a good conference, actually. But um, so, yeah, man, I mean, watching them, it does look like they're just okay. And now can they get better? And maybe they sneak up on something and say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to jump into this because usually when we are the team, we end up losing. So, I don't know. It's something to think about I wanted to bring up, but they do, they, you know, they've been having problems against that. They finally, you know, they have one top, you know, 25 win. But overall, they, they were 0-4 before that. So, it's they got a nice win, and you give them credit, but it's like, hmm, it'll be interesting. And obviously, you know, I mean – the Mountain West, we've been talking about now for two years straight. <laughs> and I will say this, you know, we talked about this before we hit record. They do have to, you know, do someone's got to make it to the, 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 you know, past the first weekend to solidify them. But would you look at this freaking conference, even just the losses, you could go down to five and four with UNLV. Break this puppy down. I mean, this is. You know, and when you look at the wins and losses, it's kind of similar to, you know, like a mini version of what we were talking about in the Big 12, you know, where there isn't this long winning streak nor a long losing streak. Yeah, there's there's really kind of three bottom-of-the-barrel teams, which is Fresno, San Jose State, Air Force. Besides that, the uh, top nine teams in that conference are legit. Uh, right now, you would for sure have four teams dancing, and those four teams are uh, all tied for first place. Boise State, 7-3. and three. New Mexico Lobos, who have a ton of offensive talent, 7-3. and three. Aztecs, 7-3. and three. Utah State, 7-3. and three. Boise's not ranked, but New Mexico's 25th. San Diego's 24th. Utah State's 22nd. Like, this is this is a strong-ass conference. And, again, you, you're, you kind of have to respect, like, Big 12 to where – your win-loss records are kind of jumbled up, but that's because, as usual, the top-tier teams are protecting their home turf, and you're being up on your taking turns, being sure they're on the home turf. Uh, Boise, 10-2 at home. New Mexico, 11-1. San Diego State, 11-0. Utah State, 10-1. Colorado State, 12-1. Nevada Wolfpack, 11-1. So that is a very fun conference to watch. As you said, uh, a lot of those teams are going to be going dancing. You're going to beat up each other, but you keep your rankings, Chris, because the teams you beat are also ranked as well. So um, I think this conference is even stronger than it's been in years prior, or at least right now it seems to be, because normally at this time of year you might have a one or two ranked teams at best. So right. um, they, they got, there's some potential talent there. There's some NBA potential talent there, or like they can play overseas. Like 
it's a fun conference to watch. And hey, when you have a four way tie for first place, that's a that's a respectable seven and three record. Like that's a good ass conference to watch. I don't care who the teams are. If there's a four way tie at seven and three, and they're ranked three out of the four teams are ranked, like you should be watching those games on the CBS Sports tonight because you're gonna watch good basketball. I do have an appointment with Florida Atlantic tonight. I am gonna watch your squad. I'm gonna watch them. Um, Boise, so Saturday, Boise State at Utah State. Um, color in, in Monday, Colorado State at San Diego State. We talked about just how hot, tough it is, obviously for Utah State, but just in general, it can be tough that San Diego State's turning around. And New Mexico at Nevada, who's been pretty crafty too. So, um, pretty interesting stuff, man. Uh, we got a lot of, like, I, I feel like there's going to be some upsets. Uh, this weekend, whether it's Xavier over Creighton or Michigan State protecting their home against Illinois or, um, well, I don't think Miami's going to beat North Carolina. I won't go there, but Florida over Auburn or something like that. Hey, Gonzaga had the road Kentucky. Kentucky's a little down. Go get your win. Go get your win. But the big matchup, Baylor and Kansas. Um, Ooh. Yeah, okay. I'm, on Saturday, I'm I'm gonna go Baylor. I'm gonna go Baylor. I don't know why, but I'm going Baylor. I'm gonna do it, man. Screw it. Uh, and then Kansas State at BYU. That's another one I'm eyeballing, but honestly, I think BYU's tough at home. And then, okay, hold on. A and M, I think will beat Tennessee at home. A and M's kind of sneaky. They're not ranked and stuff, but they're pretty decent. Pretty decent. Well, they got Wade Taylor, who on a given day can drop thirty. I just, I just wish the guy had more talent. I love watching him play, but he, he's kind of, kind of a one man band. So we'll, see. I, I hope they do. I, I would love to see that guy make tournament, but he needs a little more uh, support. But hey, A and M will have chances, Chris, like you said, to make the tournament. If you can beat three or four teams ranked in the Big Twelve, that that resume, if even if your win loss record is around five hundred. If you beat a bunch of teams who are all ranked, then all of a sudden that resume looks pretty damn good. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Let's, let's, uh, take us home here, sir. Take us home. All right. Sounds good, my friend. Well, today, uh, we're going to travel. It's tonight. To, uh, yes. Okay. Um, we, we're, we're, we're going to, uh, the, uh, Big West. We've not, we've, I don't know if we've ever, know if you've ever done these schools the big west has a a, a kind of a bottom tier matchup you have cal state bakersfield who i don't think yeah i don't think i've ever picked them against uc riverside this might be a first for both these schools for football or basketball uh cal state bakersfield, or at least stream uh ES, espn plus yes sir uh cal state bakersfield is 9 and 13 on the year they're 4 and 7 uh so this is not bottom of the barrel but obviously these teams are not elite going to march madness either uh, playing UC Riverside, who's hosting, who's eight and fifteen, three day in the Big West. This game is at the SRC Arena, and this game is at Riverside, California. So the name does not confuse you, uh, Chris. This is a nine p.m. tip. Uh, we've kind of had the theme of picking games played on the night of our show. We last week our our Shorehawks they were swiping down to pull up the puppies and they missed. The the Shorehawks were not able to wrangle up some uh, some prey. And they lost. We're one two on the year, but we're going to be two and two after we today. We don't keep track of the goddamn record. I don't know how many times I got to say it, and you keep doing it. 
So, what does your gut say? He didn't, he didn't respond or anything. Just keep going. I, 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 I'll, 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 there will be no yeah, more records being set. I'm the one making set. these damn picks. It's hard enough. Okay? There will be there will be no more records being said. Again, our, our college bas- our college football is where we take our pride. Uh, so uh, I, hey, you I, call me the crafty vet. Have a little respect for your elders, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Understood. All right, got you. Next week there will be no. Uh, it'll only be mentioned in wins. All right, losses will not get mentioned. All right. No, no, uh, you can mention it. I'm saying the record. We're just enough. saying it. I'm not saying you don't, you know. <laughs> I hear you. All right, I'm brother. Touchy. I'm touching. What, what does your gut say in Bakersfield against Riverside? It sounds like a Netflix, like, high school teen movie. Bakersfield yeah, against Riverside. Like, this feels like 1980s smoking grass, you know, <laughs> under the uh, – like in the in the gymnasium in the back room or something or under the bleachers. That's what it is. Under the bleachers, smoking uh-huh. grass. Uh, I don't care what Ronald Reagan says. I'm gonna smoke this grass. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, and you know, you have been picking them really good this year as far as like when you when you look at like offense and defense and rebounds. It, they've been all really tight. I gotta give it to you. They've been all really tight. Um, lately, Riverside, though, maybe they've been smoking a little too much grass. The Highlanders, you know, they've lost three in a row. They've lost three in a row. Um, but there's some, you know, I think they're going to protect the home court. And we all know, I mean, it, it's $21, you know, to see that game at the SRC Arena, according to Vivid Seats. And the Highlanders, you know, I think they're going to protect home court. Um, for no other reason than they, they had, like, a better non-conference where they were a little bit more competitive. They are the favorite in this one. Um, over, under, 131. Maybe I should have you do the gambling advice. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, on paper – Numbers wise, you know, it does favor um, the Cal State, the road runners, and they got a road run their ass down to Riverside. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Highlanders to pull this one off and even up with nine wins apiece because they're they only okay. got eight now. I'm going with the going with the Highlanders for this another incredible alumni battle. Uh, okay. You see Riverside famous people, uh, Gary McCord, who's been a great golf announcer for years upon years. Uh, Troy Percival was a great baseball closer for a long, long time. Uh, after that, it starts getting a little bit bleak. Uh, there's a lot of pictures. These aren't even political photos. There's a couple of athletes I've never seen or heard of. Uh, some guy named Stephen Bishop. Uh, Brendan, yeah, this is so for Cal Riverside, they got they got two people. So you got Troy Percival and you got Gary McCord and uh, Joe Kelly, who is a relief pitcher in baseball that always seems to cause fights every year. So <laughs> which he does bring a job up. So I'll tip my cap to that. So a decent showing from UC Riverside for Cal Bakersfield University. Um, Kevin McCarthy, who is one of the people in politics who's in the news quite often. Uh, for better or worse, spend a while. I was going to say, that's on. a nice way to put it. We yes, won't we'll... go too far on that, but yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Stephen Neal is a guy who appears to be taking a, a football photo jersey. I don't recognize the name. Uh, man, it's... Stephen Neal? Yeah. Huh. Appears to be a lineman. Uh, 
Tito Ortiz? Yeah, appears to be. Like, is he a lineman that was like, you know, 250 pounds, or is he like a big alignment? Big, so, bigger guy, yeah, bigger okay, guy. Okay, so that's somewhat recent anyway. Uh, Tito Ortiz is uh, obviously a UFC, you know, well-known uh, person who apparently went to Cal Bakersfield. Yeah, we'll and, just talk about that part of it. We won't talk about anything else. Nope. Good fight. Uh, yeah, we're, we're staying very, staying very neutral uh, opinion <laughs> out here. And uh, after that, it is you got guys wearing soccer jerseys, and oh man, it, it, this one drops off a ship. So, uh, <laughs> man, yeah, I'm gonna favor uh, Gary McCord and Troy Percival. I'm gonna take UC Riverside for the alumni. Man, these alumni okay. battles with college football, they're normally a lot of fun. These alumni battles for college basketball this year have been complete garbage. Yeah, try picking, so them. try picking these fucking bastards, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. It's rough, dude. It's slim pickings. It is. It's it tough, is. dude. 385 freaking D1 teams. You got me picking these games, for Christ's sake. Those conference championship games or conference tournament games are going to be incredible this year, which means March Madness will be just as fun as well. And that is only, well, it starts, March Madness is in six weeks away. I think the leap year threw it over. I might not be able to make it to Memphis. I'm not going to go on that rant, but March Madness is six weeks away. We cannot wait for that. It's going to be an incredible year. And as always, thanks for the support. We appreciate you. Remember, Thursday nights will be our nights for the rest of the year. The boys are out. Have a good one. Peace.